Hey, you're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit ktnnaz.org, visit us on Facebook, just search Ketchikan Naz, or you can download our free app from the iPhone store or the Google Play store, just search Ketchikan Naz. Thanks for visiting. Hope the word of God speaks to you today. So, um, if you have your scriptures with you this morning, you can pull them out. We're going to be in two different locations today, and we'll put them up on the board in a few minutes. But I kind of want to set the stage for you guys this morning, because we are in the middle of a wonderland. Does everybody love Christmas? Yeah. Right? Everybody love white Christmases? Yes. We don't get them that often here, do we? Uh, Did we get one last year? Does anybody remember? Yeah. Yeah. And it was rare. I remember looking out going, this won't last. I should enjoy this because, you know, then it gets the wet snow and then it melts and then it turns into the slush, the Ketchikan like schmush that happens. Right. Um, And uh, and I grew up in Montana where there was just feet of snow every year at Christmas and the trees would be blanketed. We go up on the ski hill and we go skiing and the trees look just like you couldn't see tree, you could just see snow in this kind of lumpy form. And I remember thinking up on the top of the mountain, it looks just like a wonderland. Like it's absolutely something out of imagination. And one of my favorite movies growing up at Christmas time was the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Claymation. You know the one um, with the Island of Misfit Toys and, and all of that good stuff. And, they, and you had um, the little elf and they would just skip through the snow. And I just remember thinking, this is the wonderland of Christmas. And so as I got my heart set for Christmas this year, I thought we might just explore the wonderland that God has provided for us. And so I kind of set the stage, you know, with the, the deer and the tree and whatnot. But we are going to look not at the snow-covered wonderland, but the wonderland for our souls that God has provided, which is greater than any snow-covered tree mountain that we could experience. Um, So um, Advent is that time of year, in case you don't know, that we set aside in the church calendar to prepare for the coming of Christ. That's simply what the word Advent means, the, the coming of, the beginning of something. And so we prepare for the birth of Jesus, right? We celebrate all month long for the birth of Christ, the coming of Christ. And we focus on that because at Christmas time, baby Jesus came and we celebrate all of the carols that sing about baby Jesus. But in reality, Jesus already came, right, as a baby. And so Advent is the time where we look back at that experience so that we can look forward to his second coming. Advent is literally the preparation of our hearts for the coming of Christ Again, And we do that by looking backwards at the promises that God has made and fulfilled so that we can have hope as we move forward. Christ will come again one day, and we're going to look at that today. So um, the first thing that I want to start off with in Advent this year is that Jesus came to earth. Jesus came to earth, and from the moment sin entered the garden, and you remember the story, Adam and Eve, in the very beginning in Genesis, Adam and Eve had this beautiful wonderland, as it were, to play in. They had this beautiful garden. It was perfect and wonderful, and might not have been snow-covered. I don't know, but it was wonderful, and they had everything they needed, and then they chose to disobey God, and in that process, sin entered the world, and God said, listen, 
I love you, Adam and Eve, but you have to go outside the garden now. You have to leave the wonderland that I have created for you, and you will be outside, and life will be difficult, and it will be painful, and there will be um, sin and sorrow with you, but one day a son will be born, and he will crush the serpent's head, and sin will be no more. So from the very beginnings of Scripture, from the very moment sin entered the world, God said, listen, one day I will provide for you a redeemer. One day Jesus will come to earth. And so the rest of the Old Testament is the preparation of God's people for the coming of Jesus at Christmas time, right? And uh, for generations, God promised his people that he would come. And you can read the entire Old Testament. And one of my favorite things to do in the Old Testament is to find the gospel in the Old Testament. Um, and there, if you go to the book of Isaiah and just like point your finger down, you'll probably find a passage about Jesus. Isaiah is chock full of the gospel. And, and frankly, every book in the Old Testament tells one story, right? We've talked about this recently. Every book in the Old Testament tells the story of Jesus about how he will come and redeem his people. And so all through this, God is preparing his people for the coming of the Redeemer that he would send himself, basically, to earth, and he would come and be wrapped in human form. And when he came to earth, when Jesus came to earth, he didn't come to a rich family, right? He didn't be born in a palace, right? Um, he didn't come to the elite or the fancy. He wasn't born to royalty. All the things that people would expect of a savior, of a king, of the Lord, he did the exact opposite. He came to the lowly and to the oppressed because all of the things that people expected God to do, he defied the expectations. And Jesus defies expectations at every turn. In, uh, in this passage, it says, but you, Bethlehem, and if you, if you have your Bibles, you can flip to Micah. This is where I got this from. Micah is the tiny, tiny book. that I can never find. You might have to go just like me to your... You got it? Micah 5, chapter 2, if you have your Advent devotional, it's in there too. Micah 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 2. Okay. Um, and y'all find it. Practice finding small Old Testament books. Pastor's going to the... Uh, Table of Contents in his Bible. Page 776 for me. 1566. What did I say? Seven? Yeah, you said your number and I forgot my number. No! 776. I think it's such a tiny little book. There we go. And in this tiny little book, we get this beautiful promise. Okay? This is right near the end of the Old Testament, and here's what it says. But you... Bethlehem, through, though you are small among the clans of Judah, remember the clans of Judah, the tribes, he was the smallest, okay? though you are the tiniest, from you will come for me one who will be ruler over all of Israel, one who will unite all of God's people. And this one who is coming, his origins are from old. They exist, pre-exist everything else. They are from ancient times. We have this passage in the Old Testament that tells us, that told the people of Israel, 
one day from Bethlehem, God will come because he predates all things. He is the ancient one who predates everything. He was the one who created the heavens and the earth and everything that is on the earth. And he will come to you at a city named Bethlehem. And this was really exciting for God's people because they knew that one day their redeemer would come. Now he came from what culture, uh, from what culture said was insignificant. Culture said, this is the tiniest little clan. This little clan didn't do anything for anybody. This itty-bitty little insignificant city from nowhere. And, and at that time, Bethlehem was not a large city. Bethlehem maybe, maybe, maybe had like 10 families, 12 families. This is a small community. So from an insignificant city comes something very significant. From what culture said was insignificant, Christ came for the insignificant. Everything that culture said is small and insignificant. Christ came from that so that he could redeem that. He came from what was outcast. Right? His family was outcast. And he came from the outcast for the outcast. He came from a non-traditional family, right? Unmarried, teen mother. Um, and he came for those who were non-traditional. This is like the greatest news on the face of the planet because in our world, there are all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds, from all kinds of experiences. And in our culture, we tend to go, these people are insignificant or these people are worth less or these people aren't worth my time. And Christ said, bah, humbug to all of that, right? I think that's a rough translation. Because he said, everything that culture says is insignificant, I love those people, and I come for those people. I come for the outcast and the lonely and the sad, and everybody that culture says doesn't belong, I will make them belong through me. He redeemed Mary and Joseph, even though they had not yet been married and had a child. Um, he redeemed the shepherds because the shepherds were the lowest of the low in that day and age. They weren't even allowed to testify in court because they were considered so low that, you know, their word wasn't worth uh, honesty in court. So these were shepherds that were so outcast, and yet they were among the first to see Christ when he was born. He redeemed the shepherds and said, you are, you are wonderful and you can be with me. He redeemed his parents, the shepherds, and then he grew up and he redeemed prostitutes and he redeemed uh, tax collectors and he redeemed murderers and he redeemed lepers. Everyone he came into contact with, he redeemed. He said, I love you. You can be with me. We are not separated. I want to spend time with you. Let's be friends. That's how Jesus came to earth. God's presence is that no one is excluded except by their own choice. And then this Jesus, who was born as a baby in this small town that was considered insignificant when God came to earth and wrapped himself in flesh in baby form, he grew up, right? And as he grew up, he continued to live a life of redemption. Ultimately, he went to the cross, right? And he died on the cross for the sins of the world, past, present, future, because God was and is and is to come. So all of time, God died for the sins of the world. And then he was buried, right? And then he rose again on the third day and said, 
I have conquered sin and death for all time. So anyone from anywhere who's done or said anything can call upon my name and receive forgiveness and salvation and redemption and be with me forever and always. So this is kind of like the Christmas Easter message this morning. Jesus came to earth at a point and time so that anyone who calls on his name may receive forgiveness and redemption and ultimately enter the wonderland that he has prepared for our souls. So, that said, we've already celebrated Christmas. Christmas has already happened. The birth of Christ has already occurred. He has already come to earth, right? So we use, as Christians, the Christmas season not to focus 100% on the past, but to look at the past and go, he came and he promised he will come again. And so we use Advent to launch ourselves forward and to go, Jesus is coming again. It's not just that he came and he died and he rose and now he's done. No, he came, he lived a life of redemption. He died, he rose again. He's ruling and reigning. And scripture tells us that one day Jesus will come again. There will be a second Advent. And so we use Advent to look forward to that second coming, that time when Christ will come again, that time when everything that has ever gone wrong in the world will be undone and Christ will usher his people into a true wonderland. We celebrate Christmas because it is the moment that Christ entered the world and it points us to the moment that he will come back again. And when he comes, it will be a wonderland like nothing else on the face of the planet. There will be no more sadness, no more tears, there will be no more pain, and all the wrongs that have been done to us. Now just take for a moment and picture all, don't picture all, picture some, okay, the key significant moments that you've been hurt by someone, that have been significant wounds in your heart and your life. And when Jesus comes back, that wound will be mended completely. That pain will be completely gone. That broken relationship can be restored through Christ. And there will be a peace and a unity that reigns that is unparalleled in Christ's wonderland. And all the things that you have done to other people, all the hurts that you have inflicted, all the ways that you have sinned against your friends and your family or whoever, those will be forgiven and you will have mended relationship with those people. And peace will rule and reign in your heart between you and others. All guilt and shame that we hold on to, it will disappear as if it never existed. And here's what it says about that day. But about that day, when Christ comes back for the second time. About that day or that hour, no one knows it. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. I think it's fascinating when you read the Old Testament, everything is preparing us for that birth of Jesus, the coming of the Messiah. And you can read through the Old Testament and you get these, um, uh, you get these clues, right, as it were, that point you to a specific place like Bethlehem, right, that point you to a specific um, moment in time where a star shines over, right, and you can read in scripture, it'll be Bethlehem, it'll be a sun, um,
Uh, there will be uh, a virgin who will conceive, and you get these clues that tell you kind of when and how to find Jesus. That's how the wise men got there, right? That's how the shepherds figured out the big star, and we should go there. Um, and the angel showed up and said, hey, look at here, okay? But if you read the New Testament, this is what we get. You don't know when. You won't know when. There is no clue to know when. In fact, don't even try to know when. Don't spend your time worrying about when. There is only one thing we should be focusing on as Christians in the New Testament, looking forward towards the coming of Christ, and that is worshiping him, living a life modeled after him, and leading people lovingly towards him, right? Because we don't know when. It could be, it could be before I finish my sermon, right? And would that not be magnificent? Would that not be magnificent except for... There are people that we love that do not yet know Jesus, right? Like, do I want Jesus to usher in the wonderland like in 30 seconds? Yes, I do. It would be amazing, right? I would get a glorified body. I'd be six feet tall, tan, I hope, right? I say this a lot. I put my requests in a lot because I would love that. I don't know what he's going to do, okay? It might just be that I don't, you know, break bones as easy anymore because I tend to break them pretty quick, okay? Now, I don't know a glorified body. I would love that to be in 30 seconds. But my parents don't yet know Christ. And I want them, I want them to be in that wonderland with me. And we all know people and love people that do not yet have a relationship with Christ. And so I want Jesus to come back. I want that wonderland to be soon. But we don't know when that soon is. So we are to be on guard and alert. And there's another translation I read. Um, and it translated that like this. Wake up. Do not oversleep the moment. Any of you snooze hitters in the morning? Any of you want to admit that? Okay, I hit the snooze a lot. And my wife is like, mm. um, because I like to sleep snooze. And it's so easy on the iPhone, right? Slap, 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 and there it is. Okay, Jesus is saying, listen, the alarm is going off right now. This is a soon and very soon kind of moment. I am coming back soon, Jesus says. And what soon is, we don't know. That's the only clue we get. So we are to be on guard, be alert, wake up. Don't hit snooze in your Christian walk. Because when he comes again, when that moment appointed before time happens... He will come and he will wrap all of time up into eternity because God exists outside of time. He's infinite and large and wise. And he will take all of time and he will wrap it up into eternity. And those folks who have chosen to trust in a baby that was born very long ago, who grew up to be the savior of the world, those people who trusted in Christ for salvation will be ushered into this wonderland that is amazingly magnificent. And those who have chosen not to trust in that little baby Jesus who grew up to be the savior of the world, those who have not called upon his name for salvation, will be um, ushered into, by their own choice, a separation from God. God will not force people to be with him for eternity, but he offers the opportunity for everyone to receive him and experience that love and forgiveness. This Christmas season, as with all Christmas seasons, we look backwards so that we can look forwards. We look back upon that manger and that tiny baby and that immense moment. And I don't know if we can, 
I don't know if we can really fully understand what happened in that moment. We talk about Christmas and the idea that God became a man, but do we wrestle with that concept in our own hearts and our minds? Or do we just think baby Jesus was born and then there were some wise men that came from afar and then some donkeys were there and, and great, and then we skip to Easter because it seems like it happens that quick. But do we really wrestle with the idea that the ruler over Israel, the origins from old, he is from ancient, this is God. God came to earth. Does that mind like anybody else? If we don't really wrestle with this concept, we kind of completely blow over the idea of, so what? A baby was born. But God himself, the infinite creator, ruler, orchestrator of everything that we know, he wrapped himself into humanity. Guys, you know what it's like to be human. Stubbed toes, hurt feelings, right? Stabbed in the back by friends, betrayed by people you love, broken hearts, jobs that fail. You, uh, he was a carpenter, so he was constantly using a hammer and a chisel. Guess how many times he hit his thumb? Probably a lot, okay? It still hurt him because he was wrapped in flesh. Jesus was a real human like us, but he was also 100% God at the same time. Okay, so the reality of this is Jesus, God, wrapped in flesh. He made dirty diapers as a baby, right? Okay, because he wrapped himself in flesh, okay? He got hungry and he ate, right? Um, he had friends as he was growing up and they probably... I don't know, they didn't have bikes back then, I don't think. So whatever little boys in that region of the world did, played with sticks and rocks, or I don't know, chased cows, they did whatever they did. They had friendships, they told jokes. He worked as an apprentice for his dad as a carpenter. He grew up with a small group of families around him and they had deep community and fellowship. And then one day, he said, the Lord has called me and I will go into ministry because my sole purpose for coming is to redeem people that don't even know they need redeeming. And so this 100% God, 100% man, Jesus, walked into the wilderness, wrestled with the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, came out of the wilderness and was baptized. And then from that moment forward, he walked into a ministry that changed the course of the world. That is the God that we look at as a baby and we go, nice baby Jesus, right? Cute baby Jesus. This is, yeah, I mean, maybe he was cute. I don't know. Scripture tells us he wasn't anything to look upon. Scripture tells us in the Old Testament that the Savior was kind of not the best looking, okay? So maybe he was an ugly baby, right? <laughs> And maybe none of the wise men said that because you don't tell a mother, your baby, nah, you know, okay? But we know that Jesus was just like us. He struggled like us. He lived with us so he could die for us. And the miracle of that is all of God ended up in a baby. All of God ended up in a baby. That humble, dependent, <laughs> sleeping in a mother's arms kind of experience. The God of the universe put himself in the hands of humanity so that he could save humanity. If, if we can't wrestle with that concept, why would we say, I need that savior? 
I need someone who understands me. If we don't know that Jesus came to earth and wrapped himself in flesh so that he could live a life for us and die for us, then we skip over Christmas as this great moment where, okay, there's a manger scene and then there's some gifts. And we need Jesus. We absolutely, desperately, wholeheartedly, 100% need Jesus. And he came to earth because he knew we needed him. And he's coming back to earth because he knows that we need him. And so in Advent, we look back at that birth so we can look forward to the coming. And when we look forward to that coming, we don't know when it's going to be. There has to be this sense of urgency in our lives, this sense of um, now what in our life. Because if we don't know when, it might be tomorrow. Right? If we don't know when, it might be 30 seconds from now. What are we going to do with those 30 seconds? What are we going to do with those 10 minutes? What are we going to do with the 50 years of the rest of our life or longer, right, that we have with our love for Christ? There are two things that we need to wrestle with today. Uh, if you are a Christ follower this morning, you have called upon the name of Jesus, you love him, you serve him, you're growing in him day by day, you're studying the scriptures, you're praying, you're hanging out with Jesus' people, and then you're getting out there into the world to love on people who do not yet know Jesus. If you are a Christ follower, then do not waste the rest of your life. Do not waste the rest of the Advent season going, I'm glad I have Jesus, and then moving along with your life. Because Christ wants you to go out and love people who do not yet know him. There are, how many of you know someone who doesn't know Jesus? Right? Okay. So we all have work to do, right? Like, we don't want Jesus to come back until those people have confessed Christ as Lord and Savior. So we have work to do, Christians. If you are a Christ follower and you are looking forward to that wonderland that comes one day, we should be grabbing people along the way and bringing them with us and saying, God loves you and it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. I have been praying for you and God has been praying for you and he loves you. Let's do this faith life together. Encouraging people to love Jesus, inviting them to church, bring them into your homes, um, take them to sing Christmas carols with you. Anything that you can do to introduce someone to, to Christ this Christmas because he is offering the greatest this is so cliche. The greatest Christmas gift that anyone could receive, and it's 100% free, and it's love and forgiveness. Everybody needs that, and many people don't know they do. You have an opportunity, Christ followers, to pray for and lead people to Jesus this Christmas. So, as we close this message out, if you are a Christ follower who knows someone who does not yet know Christ, as we are worshiping at the end of the service, is a great time to pray for those people by name, to ask God to work in their life and their heart and their mind and their soul in these very moments so that when you speak to them later today or tomorrow and say, hey, I would love for you to come to church with me next Sunday, wear your craziest Christmas hat and a sweater and maybe bells, and it's going to be silly and wonderful, and we're all going to look crazy, but we're going to do it together. And have some fun with it and introduce them to Christ. Give them an opportunity. But if you are not a Christ follower this morning, um, you need to know a few things. If you haven't heard it yet this morning, Jesus loves you. 
okay? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter who you hang out with or who you have hung out with. Nothing disqualifies you from being loved by God. In fact, you are currently loved by God even if you don't know it. And it doesn't matter what sins you've done or the, the things that you wished you'd done and you haven't. God loves you and wants to forgive you of those things that weigh on your heart that you just can't seem to shake. He wants to welcome you into a wonderland of life that is full of joy and hope and forgiveness. And I'm not going to say it's the easiest life to live as a Christian because it is difficult at times, but it is so good to be known by God and loved by God and wrapped into the fellowship of God. If you are not a Christ follower this morning, we would love to invite you to call on the name of Jesus, to receive him as your Lord and Savior, to be forgiven of all those things, and to walk with him in a life of hope and love. So as we, this was a short message, as we worship uh this morning at the end of the service we would love for you to listen to the words of the song to pray if you are a christian for those who do not yet know christ and if you do not yet know christ to pray to receive christ and it can go something as simple as this jesus i've never really met you before but i've heard that you love me would you show me how much you love me and forgive me from my sins. It can be as simple as that. And I guarantee you, a little nod in Jesus' direction will create a whole new worldview for you. He will come into your life, create your heart and mind anew in him. And that is something that we all want to celebrate with you. So if you choose to follow Christ this morning, we want to know about it. But we're going to give you time to pray and to worship. If the team would come up, I'll close in prayer. And uh, I just want you to remember that God loves you He's come to redeem you, and whether or not you are already a Christ follower or not, this is an opportunity for you right now to pray to the Savior of your soul and ask for more. More forgiveness, more love, more hope, more purpose, more of everything. He's willing to give it to you. Father, we give you praise and honor and glory this morning. You've told us in Scripture that you would come, and then you came. Wow, we can trust you. You told us that you would heal people from illnesses, and you did. Wow, we can trust you. You told us that you would come again, and so we trust everything you have ever said you would do, you've done, and we know that we can look forward and that you will come again. And Lord, we do not want to be caught unaware. Help us this morning to be aware of the way that you are working in our lives, of the forgiveness that you had offered us, Help us not to take that lightly. Help us to recognize how much you gave up when you came to earth to live a life for us. Thank you for dying on the cross and being raised again on the third day. Thank you for ruling and reigning in heaven. And Lord, thank you for being so wise to choose a day at some point in the future to come again and redeem this earth. May every nation and tongue worship you on that day. And may we get a chance to lead others to Christ. We pray this in your glorious name.